I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. We're the guys from That Film Stew, and this is our latest episode where we look at some of the most recent news stories from the world of film and television. In today's show, Michael B. Jordan is set to lead the Creedverse. Quentin Tarantino's 10th and final film has a title. Beetlejuice 2 is back on the cards. And Willow, its cancellation has been greatly exaggerated. Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find us, and feel free to leave us a review. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. So, Luke, uh, how about we, or you, kick things off? What's our first movie topic? Michael B. Jordan to lead Creedverse at Amazon across film and TV. New projects could include an anime series, a live-action TV series, and a project centering on Adonis's daughter, Amara. Wow. <laughs> it's like it's like someone watched Creed 3. And look, like we all know that um, or if you didn't, you know, Michael B. Jordan's a big anime fan. Creed 3 was obviously, you know, well received. It seems to be doing quite well at the box office. It's like someone watched it and then we got to the end of it and went, Do you know what? They should make they should make a an anime version of Creed. They should do, yeah, a TV series. Let's do some spin-offs, follow some other characters, maybe like, you know, you know uh, what's his name? What was, uh, you know, the guy he fought? Oh, blanking on his name. You know, the guy, Dom. Was that his name? No. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah let's guy. go with yeah, that. Dom. We all know. We yeah. reviewed it recently. You know, when we did our review, like we were commenting on the clear anime influences, some of the fight scenes, the the design of Creed shorts, models after the Akira jacket. So the influences were there. But okay, they're talking about doing a straight up anime series. I can see it. I can see it. Do we oh, have to need I... it? Do we want it? Is this going to be milked? I remember I mean, saying the eleventh, the tenth, or something. The ninth, the ninth. I don't know. The ninth Rocky. Like we call it the Creedverse, the Rockyverse, the Creedverse, the, the the cinematic universe that it is. I mean, I think they're lucky that they're on their ninth film and they're they're managing to to pull out something. I mean, the last three movies have been have been decent. Let's not get silly, guys. I, I mean, I this this is going a lot. I mean, I'm pretty sure it is still MGM that's connected with these Creed films, isn't it? MGM had been connected with yeah. the Rocky films. I know when it comes to distribution, you've got Warner Brothers, but I'm pretty sure it is MGM. And well, that makes sense. Like with Amazon, with, well, that's it. The deal with Amazon, yeah. so it makes sense. That's where it would land. But I think we even said in our review, and I made the comment that if they were to wait a few years and give us a film that did focus on Amara, I'd be okay with that. Well. Maybe they were listening because it's it's potentially going to happen. I mean, that is that is a lot, isn't it? I mean, the character is prime for like, hey, you want you want to feel some sort of diversity. I mean, no, like saying that is is not the right way to put it. But like, if you want a character that meets some diversity, you know, markers, you've got it'll be a female, uh, you know, black hearing impaired so she's got a disability 
you know, like leading the charge of this of this project, you know, becoming a I'm assuming it will be a box. I'm assuming it's still going to be a boxing movie. It's not going to be like, oh, she opens a, a cake shop. I don't know. Like it's it's like, I mean, yeah, like that is a that is a character prime for for just enjoying all of that. So I mean it can I get it just comes down to are they gonna milk this and will that just tarnish the IP, the material and water it all down? Or I mean, just I, get silly. Right? I, like, I check it out. I would check it out. Like if they're going to put out content, it's related to Rocky Creed. I would check it out, but I don't know. It just surprised me that it was just so many things, <laughs> so many things that it could be. I, I imagine if this is what's happening, like they they're not going to stop there. Like we're going to get, you know, we're, we're going to get like spinoffs of you know his opponents and and stuff. You know, uh, what's his name? You know. Van Damme's son. All the names. I mean, are, are you talking Lundgren. about Dolph Lundgren? I think we need to move on to the next story oh, because you make you making too many mistakes. Van Damme has never been in a in a that, Rocky but film. But you knew you knew where I was going with. You yeah, knew, yeah, yeah. Dolph Lundgren. You're getting your action stars mixed up. Yes, all very rough. Anywho, sure, I can move on. Probably for the best. Um, what have we got? Oh, I lost my thing. Bear with me. <laughs> This isn't going well today. Um, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> oh, he always puts out good stuff. Um, his 10th and potential final, because he's always said, I'm only going to do 10 films. That's not how he sounds. Um, but he says it's going to be titled The Movie Critic, which, um, you know what, tickles me a little bit there. Um, apparently the story is rumoured to be set in the late 1970s LA with a female lead at its centre. So, look, he proved... Um, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood, he proved that he can do a very, uh, a very well done uh, period piece. You know, yeah. recreating that the old timely setting of I say old timely seventies, the old timely setting of um, of Hollywood. I mean, he probably. I mean, it just sounds like he should be doing that again, which we know he can pull off. Having a movie titled "The Movie Critic," I mean, that's. That's right up our alley in terms of, you know, relatability and stuff like that. It could be. Yeah. I mean, what you've just said there is enough for me to want to see it. It's, it sounds really good. Once upon a yeah. time in Hollywood, watched it at the movies. I enjoyed it. Watched it for a second time at home. Loved it. Something about watching it a second time. I yeah. enjoyed it so much more that second viewing. It's a really, really good I mean, film. Well, the- with that movie, it was sort of like I didn't really understand what the movie was doing. Until well, that's true, and and where it's going, yeah. and like what the it's whole, actually. The actual yeah. Once upon a time thing. It's it was. I don't know if we can talk spoilers now. It's been long enough, I think. But it's like it, it's sort of like it's like if if it was an ideal way of how certain aspects of all you know things that happen to certain people played out differently, almost like a. A dream, a wish. Well, it was giving. Yeah, it was. was giving Sharon Tate a happy ending. So that, so yes, it played a bit free and loose, and then the events went in different directions. Yeah, really good film. Really enjoyed that. With this news, though, and he's always said ten and done. He's going to direct ten films, and he's done. Technically, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was the tenth film. But he considers Kill Bill Volume One and Two as one film. 
but I clearly remember buying two separate tickets at the cinema <laughs> to see that one film. Oh, well, that's, that's the um, that's the logic he's um, he's yeah. using. So, th- so this is said to be his tenth or eleventh film. <laughs> no, look, he's he's not a liar, but he's a con man, and he conned you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Andrew Barth Feldman embark on a wild journey in the raunchy new trailer for No Hard Feelings. Uh, just before we hit record, we were both busy watching that trailer. For me, it was for the the first time I'd been meaning to get around to it. But whenever we're going to talk about a trailer on the podcast, I like it to be fresh in my memory. I had heard good things. This is a funny trailer. And this <laughs> is a movie that I think we should all go out and support. Jennifer Lawrence, I like her. She's made good films. But why I want to really show support for this film, because it just seemed like in recent years, this type of film would end up on streaming, wouldn't get a theatrical release. This is an R-rated comedy. They haven't really been making too many of these. So I feel like if we want to see more, we need to go out and show support of this film. Yeah, you're right. Like, where have they been? And good ones as well like not just like you know you, you see like the like the the raunchy comedies but it's been a while since we've had some some real decent one i mean i'm even thinking like the the big hitters would be like his bridesmaid even even considered that was too long ago i'm thinking maybe good boys and this is the same director remember that oh, was three sure. high school kids that was yeah. laugh out loud funny that was r-rated that went that went pretty under the radar, but yeah, this does look pretty decent. Now I was worried. At, this was the second time watching the trailer. I'd watched it when it first um, when it first landed, um, and even watching it again, I was like, "Oh yeah, Matthew Broderick's in this." I was like, oh, looking <laughs> fantastic <laughs> with that long grey hair. Oh, crazy! I was I was worried at like the opening the opening scene of the trailer. Is that is that what I'm going with? Yeah, that the first scene of the trailer. I'm like, oh, like what is this? Like uh, I'm not really vibing this this humor but then when it's like it delivers the plot it shows that the jennifer lawrence character that there's more to her than just like <laughs> a bit of a horror time character like this you know like she's trying to save the house or whatever the car i don't know whatever she's doing it's um like i literally just watched the trailer i have no idea what's going it's on it's a family home she's trying to save yeah, her house. There, there's a bit more there's a bit more to it and do you know what i love jennifer lawrence when she's being goofy like when she's committed to doing a kick-ass job in terms of like her acting and delivering a great performance she can do it she's really good but she's proven herself in the real world like whether it's interviews and stuff that she is a bit of a goofball in terms of like hey i'm a bit of a loon uh, i love that side of her like that's one of the one of the many appeals of the jennifer lawrence um it looks like i don't think she's been in a position where she's actually been able to do full-on like just zany comedy and this seems it seems like something really fun for yeah. like that final shot where they're, they're pretty much chase like they're out they're trying to outrun that train and her face is just like, oh, like <laughs> yeah. I'm like yeah like that's what I that's and what then I'm before thinking. that like, there's that a scene is... where she gets punched in the throat and you know because the oh, guy's trying to throat. defend she's, it's just it, uh, it looks spray. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you tried to kidnap me you're 19 grow up it honestly it looks really funny yeah yeah it, it's it, good and you know what? It could be that we just, the movie is just a bunch of just like scenes that are like, it's an outrageous circumstance situation. We're having a good time. We laugh. 
and maybe you know maybe the, the story does fall a bit flat and it does anything whatever the movie could be great just needs to it be funny be... this kind of yeah, film funny heart and we're getting that that's from the, the trailer already but honestly there's so many films this is an example of the type of film that people complain they just don't make anymore if you want yeah. this to be a thing and not just something that's made for streaming of lesser quality not necessarily lesser quality but if you know just for streaming then you need to go out and su- support like whether it's this kind of comedy or that's it and the, the thing with like with comedies, right? Like it can be the shittest movie, shittest story, shit characters, whatever. If the if the comedy lands, if you're getting the laughs, all is forgiven. You know, like people aren't gonna be like, wow, that was that was that wasn't Shakespeare. Did you laugh? Yeah, had a good time. Ah, that's fine. All good. That's it. That's so yeah. <laughs> and from this trailer, I mean, God forbid, hopefully it's not all the best bits, but it looks pretty funny that's good uh we actually got another trailer that we can uh we can talk about here remember that movie becky with kevin james with a beard lulu wilson she was the um title character she's like she was like my favorite child actor for a while like she's popping up in like the horror movies and obviously becky um we've got a sequel becky she's back um to, she's back to hurting bad guys really bad in this movie it seems like sean william scott is the bad guy to hurt the wrath of becky so that's the title of this movie we've got the trailer she's a lot older i don't know if that kind of take and here, now i kind of sound like a really, really creepy guy but she's older now i don't know if that's kind of taking away the appeal of what made that first becky film great because it was kind of sick that it was like this yeah young kid well, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, she looks like a teenager. I'm like, okay. Well, that was the thing, you know, the, the time that it took them between Kickass and Kickass Two with Chloe Grace Moretz. Similar, like, yeah, similar. yeah. Whereas that did still work in the sequel, but not like it did in that first film. So yeah, she's definitely older in this. But I remember watching and really liking Becky. As you say, Kevin James was in there at one point. You know, he's cutting his eyeball out. Like it gets really, <laughs> yeah. really, really violent. I guess it's gory, it's violent. It's we're gonna get that fun and thrilling again here. But I'd heard they were gonna make a sequel, and then I just saw on YouTube teaser trailer The Wrath of Becky. Like, oh wow, they made it, they've actually made That's the good. film. What is this like 32 seconds or something? Really short, sure. yeah, about 30 40 seconds. Like, really short, a teaser, but. It, it, it announces that the, the movie's coming. We've got the title. We get to see Becky again. She's looking older. It's all good. I'm trying to sound creepy about it. She's looking older. I, I don't know how that's going to affect the sort of the feel of the, the movie, especially compared to that first one. But it, I don't know. It's got me excited purely because that first movie was a bit of a gem. Like, it was really it was a cool is. little movie. And on the back of this announcement, I went and watch the first one again. It's currently streaming on Prime, and, you know, it hits just as hard as that first viewing. It's a really good film. Beetlejuice 2 is in the works with Michael Keaton returning and Wednesday actress Jenna Ortega set to play Lydia's daughter. I mean, she's just the... She's the hot thing at the moment. I mean, like, I think a couple months ago it was it was all Florence Pugh and... 
and whatnot. You know, she's the flavor of the month. So yeah, Jenna Ortega, Wednesday, you know, like what else? She's doing all sorts. Scream. Scream. <laughs> she was in Scream 6 and 5. Yeah. The thing with her casting that I've heard this from a few people, they aren't necessarily on board with the casting. Nothing against her. Just that, as I said there, Wednesday actress. She played Wednesday Adams in the Timber and produced Netflix show. She's coming back for a second season. She's going to be Lydia. This is another Timber and world. Like it just might be a little bit samey, but I'm happy with with the casting. Really happy that Michael Keaton's coming back. And I was scrolling on Facebook earlier. I didn't click on the link, but it was something about. Jean-Claude Van Damme may be playing a ghost in Beetlejuice 2. So I don't know if there's Are you sure not Dolph Lundgren? Nah, are, you, are you sure? I can tell the difference, unlike you. But right. I, didn't, I didn't click the link, but I'm like, oh, that's bonkers. That could work. But Beetlejuice 2, I mean, they've said to be making this for the longest time. This year, Michael Keaton is going to be back as Batman. First time since 1992, Batman Returns. He's back in the cowl and sounds like he's going to be back as the ghost with the most. Oh, I love Beetlejuice. I'm really on board with a sequel, and it's a fun bit of casting with Ortega. Yeah, I mean, look, this is definitely a movie that has been, um, for, for years, just, like, if you, if you look up the description of development hell, like, this is definitely on the list of what describes it. Like, so, I mean, look, it, look, it sounds like they're legitimately progressing with it. Of course, anything can always fall flat its ass, but it looks like it's actually happening. General Taylor obviously is a good addition. Of course, Michael Keaton has to come back, otherwise, just don't do it. Um, I just wonder how, like, do you reckon there'll be any remnants of, you know, the influence of the potential second film that they were going to do? The Beetlejuice goes to Hawaii. Do you reckon they they might? I mean, Some... that's that's the <laughs> film. <laughs> That they chose not to do to make Batman Returns back in the early nineties. <laughs> so now, I, I, hopefully they <laughs> they've left that in the nineties, and we're not gonna we're not gonna see that. But more Beetlejuice. I mean, this is a character that had one live action film, that animated series that I loved, and I had the the toys that went along with that show, and a handful of comics. Outside of that, we've not had. Beetlejuice, really. Although saying that, it was a character in Lego Dimensions, and there's toys, other toys, but that one film. So finally getting a sequel. Oh, Beetlejuice on Broadway. What am I saying? There's been a lot of Beetlejuice, but what? <laughs> I mean, that's probably it. besides like my like merchandise and stuff. But yeah, like one film though, just one film, one <laughs> appearance from Michael Keaton as Beetlejuice. This will be. This is the second. This will be the second film. It is a big deal. <laughs> it is absolutely a big deal. I think. I think I still need to know or see more to believe that they're going to do it. Cause they can say, Oh, look, yeah, we're, we're doing it now. And we've cast her and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, but you, things have been said before. Um, well, for the longest time see... though, there was no, it, there was no sequel because Keaton wasn't on board. Without him, you couldn't do it. So with him exactly. being on board and now they're expanding the casting and the fact that they're looking at Lydia's daughter, They've got an idea, clearly, of a story. So I'm confident this is going to be a thing. Okay, look, okay let, let's assume that this is all going ahead, which I'm still you know, on the fence about. Um, but who else can they get back? 
are they going to get Lydia back? You know, um, get one in a rider. You know, like, can they? Hey, listen. Is there? I know they ghosts. Final season. Yeah, I know they ghosts, but can they get, you know, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin? Is he working again or is he a bit busy with dealing with things? You know, I watched this film. I didn't so want to go down that rabbit hole, but I, I watched yeah. this film so much when I, was, when I was younger. I don't know if it's a kid's film, but I watched it when I was younger and I've always watched and loved it. And it wasn't until so many years later that I had the realization <laughs> that it was Alec Baldwin because I didn't know him as this skinny guy with glasses. He looks so different. So different. Yeah. It does. So different. Anyway. Um... Yeah, let's move on. Let's uh okay, so that's that's our main big stories for the for the movie news. Uh, so let's just turn through our I guess our other headlines that we've we've got. If you want to lead us off. James Gunn will officially direct Superman Legacy. We've talked about this film previously. It's gonna be the first film released under the banner Gods and Monsters, DC Studios. This is their first big film. What's interesting to note, though, is that James Gunn has essentially hired himself. That's what's happened here. They've looked for a director, and he's like, I've got the perfect person. (laughs) Who? Me. (laughs) I mean, yeah, look, that's not how it went down at all. But um, (laughs) all I've got to say on this is, like, this could be maybe the only instance where the movie is written by the same person who is directing, who is also the studio head. Hey, listen, I'm completely on board with him directing. <laughs> you know, I, I do like... Oh, look, what I like, yeah, why not? But it, yeah. it's just pretty it funny that, as you said, a studio head is written... Well, a studio head. But essentially, a studio like head. head. But yeah, but it, it is, is a studio head. It'll be like if Kevin Feige was like, I'm going to write and direct the, the next Marvel Studios movie. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's what's happening here. Kevin Feige is like, I've got the. Do you know what? I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna make I mean, a film. And, it's worth noting that, like, yeah, movie directors and writers don't normally, you know, run studios. But he is a director. He is a writer. So it it does it does all fit. And he's obviously got a a strong direction that he wants for his Superman film. And yeah, he's just going to direct it himself. Anyway, we'll keep moving because he's meant to be rapid fire. But um, uh, the cancelled Scooby Doo DC crossover film Scooby Doo and Crypto Two has leaked in its entirety. Um, this marks the first time one of the completed projects Warner Brothers Discovery scrapped for tax purposes has surfaced online. Now, I remember you telling me that this has happened. I'm curious. I mean, I I actually didn't care enough to try and hunt it down, but I mean. But piracy is a thing, and we should um, we should not do it. I don't even I don't even think you need to hunt it. It would be a quick search. But I'm going to be honest, right? Do I want to see this film? It? I do want to see this film, but no, I haven't. No, I haven't downloaded it. I've not seen it. Um, Are your intentions to do it? <laughs> no, no. If they decide, which I don't think they will, if they decide to actually release it, then I would watch it. But no, the intent is that they're not going to release it. Um, so therefore, I I'll, I'll I won't watch it. But I was interested in this project. I had every intent, every intention of watching it. But no, not until they release it, or if they release it officially. Good Burger Two is officially coming to 
Paramount Plus, Kenan Thompson, Kel Mitchell. In high school, Kenan and Kel are Nickelodeon. I absolutely loved that show. Loved it. I would always watch it. Who loves orange soda? Kel loves orange soda. All of that. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. I remember buying the first movie on VHS and just wearing it out. Absolutely loving <laughs> these guys and that first film. And we can say first film now because it is getting a sequel. And it was announced on Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show. So, ah, what are your feelings on this? You don't seem as excited as I am. I'm just, I, I don't have the history with them. And that's, and that's just that. So the, like I've, I've seen, and look, I've, I've seen Burger, but like, I don't, I don't have that connection, I suppose, to, to it, but I'm glad you're stoked. I'm glad you're when, um, when Good Burger came out, so you've seen Good Burger, when Good Burger, it wasn't just another kid's film. Like these guys you know, been working together long before they got the Keenan and Kel show and Nickelodeon and then got so much success with that. He had that amazing Coolio theme song. Such a good show again. So it's like you're watching a TV show. You're really a fan of these guys. You're a kid, which is what I was at the time. And, and then it's the like movie. they're doing a movie. And it's like, oh, man, yeah. So loved that first movie. Watched it again fairly recently, like a year or so ago. And, you know, it is, obviously it plays different for me now than it did then, but there's things to like about it. Oh, I'm a kid and I love it. I love Good Burger. So this is, this is exciting. And I do have Paramount Plus, so I'm able to watch it yeah. when it's released. But look, if Good, if Good Burger is getting a sequel, then Gladiator is as well. Yes. Um, this is what changes things, though. Denzel Washington and Barry Keegan join Ridley Scott's Gladiator sequel. I would admit, as amazing as Gladiator is, I was like, what are they doing with the sequel? There were some rumoured storylines of, like, you know, Maximus gets sent back from the afterlife, unfinished business, he's going to do some stuff. I was like, well, that's a bit weird. They seem to be going in a different direction now. Denzel freaking Washington and um, Barry Keegan, who is, you know, like he's from Eternals to... Banshee's of Sheeran, you know, his very small appearance as as Joker, even in that, you know, extended deleted scene that surfaced online that got put out. Like, I mean, this kid is is he's good at what he does. Yeah, he's and excellent. Guess, and with Denzel, like he wouldn't be doing this if this was some hot pile of garbage that they're putting out. Uh so that raises the excitement levels and that's it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm interested. For me, Gladiator is a five out of five. I absolutely love that film. Stone Cold Classic. Always felt like a one and done. Never felt like a film that needed a sequel. And that's it. And that's it. But Denzel Washington. I mean, it's gotta, there's got to be something to this now. There's got to be something to this. So I mean, if Ridley Scott is saying, Do you know what? I'm going to make a sequel. You're going to watch it. It's not as if like a lesser director has come along saying, you know what? Mm, I'll pick this up. Do you, know that f- Do you know what that first film needs? A sequel. <laughs> it's like one bigger. Mm. New documentary Getting Lost is set to explore the TV series phenomenon Lost and its fan base. Never watched it. Um, no, oh, whatever. No, <laughs> You're is... the only person I know that still talks about it. 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like this show, this this documentary is made just for me. They're just gonna um, over the moon excited. Like this is this is great, fantastic. Official lost documentary stuff content. I love it. It's good. Um, it's coming out next year, twenty twenty four. Um, I, I recently realised that that marks the twentieth anniversary of the show le- like launching. Twenty years. If there was ever a thing to make someone feel old, like that is that was an eye opener for me. Twenty years. I've been talking about this stupid show for twenty years. I mean, it was a moment. I I was going to. Sometimes I don't even feel like I'm twenty years old. I was going to say, (laughs) it was a moment in time, but it's been not for you. You've you've lived the show, but when. I mean, oh. it stayed with you. It's had strong staying power with you. Mm. But for a lot of people, you watched it. It was, was one it. <laughs> of the biggest shows on the planet. Like, I mean, it was incredible. Like that pilot. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, it was so good for the longest time. So, yeah, I mean, great. They're making a documentary, and not a first-time documentary filmmaker either. It's going to be directed by Taylor Morden. He's the guy that directed the last blockbuster a documentary that I still haven't watched, but I want to, about the last blockbuster that's in, in the US. But again, it has been 20 years. Anyway, um, all right, let's move into our TV news stories. John Bernthal to reprise his role as the Punisher in Daredevil Born Again. So there we go. It's not just Daredevil that's coming back from Netflix we're getting the Punisher also. It's all, yeah, it's, look, it's going to be, again, we've speculated and gone in circles multiple times about, is this the same Daredevil? Is this the same Kingpin? And I guess we're going to, we'll, we'll eventually have the same conversation. It does feel, it feels like it is and it isn't. Like they're going to, it, it is, it does, isn't. It's a Kingpin soft has superpowers now. He's super no, strong. he's just he's just strong like he is in the comics. We did that in uh, Hawkeye. Let's leave it. Even the character again. Even the character was very different. Look, they're picking and choosing the the, the characters, the actors that they want to bring back over. It's almost like they're they're shopping, but only getting what they want. And John Bernthal was obviously one that you know people really enjoyed. And look, if you look back at like that whole Defenders plus Punisher thing on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, they're going for the ones that people like the most. Daredevil, the Punisher show, and all the Punisher character. That's all. And then... I mean, Punisher getting, uh, wasn't, <laughs> Punisher wasn't in, in, in Defenders, but Punisher did first appear in Season 2 of Daredevil before mm-hmm. he got his own show, which went on to have two seasons. And, yeah, if you're looking at casting, Bernthal was great. As Frank Castle, so to have him come back, even if he's playing a rebooted version of that character, most people, myself included, would rather see Burnsalls come back than just have somebody else yeah. cast. And look, I mean, there's always going to be as as much as people are going to be like, like no, 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 like you know, we need an R-rated Punisher. So anyway, like there is a way you can do it, and I anticipate that what Marvel Studios are going to be doing, especially if disney plus show it's gonna be it's gonna be a toned down i mean there's probably still gonna be they they can get a lot away with a lot on that like pg-13 kind of rating but it's not gonna be the same level of what we got on netflix it's gonna be a it's gonna be a toned down punisher or what he does is gonna be implied 
implied violence and aggression, all that kind of stuff. And then there's the whole thing, you know, like, and, and this sucks, but I mean, like the, the Punisher logo, the, the skull, I mean, that's sort of been hijacked in terms of idiots utilizing that symbol. Decades, to- though. Decades. That's not a new thing. That's been used. That's been that's been for, for decades. Uh, but it has it has spiked in in recent times. But it, with so um, with the character, he didn't really he didn't really wear the the symbol in the show either. I mean, that much he did at times. Yeah, like I mean, it, yeah, no, he didn't always always wear it. But there's times where he did. But I think what you've got to think of as well, like. This it's not a Punisher show on Disney Plus. It's a Daredevil show, and Punisher is going to be in it. That's so right. Characters yeah. will all, and that's what's great about the shared universe. You know, when done right, that characters can fit the world they're set in. So that Charlie Cox has even come out and said that in Born Again is not necessarily going to be playing him like he did in She-Hulk because that was all intents and purposes a half-hour comedy, whereas Daredevil won't be so you can have characters appearing in different shows different films and they can fit the tones of where they're appearing yeah so good point and also harkens back to the fact that she hulk was a god-awful show and what you mean by that is a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) get out of here um theo rossi has been tapped for a key recurring role opposite colin farrell and kristen miliotti in the hbo max original series the Penguin, which is of course the the spin-off TV series of The Batman. Yes, could be interesting. The first TV show set in the continuity of The Batman. Yeah, Colin Farrell, he was great in that film. It's good to see him coming back. And yeah, they're just slowly building up the cast. Theo Rossi first saw him in Sons of Anarchy, and he's been in many things since then. I think most recently I watched him in Emily the Criminal. The film with help me out here. Aubrey Plaza. That's the one. Good film. Good little film. And he was in that. Yeah, he's always good value, but he was great in Sons of Anarchy. He was in like Cloverfield and is it Dawn of the Dead? I think he popped up in. Wouldn't have been Dawn of the Dead. That was before Sons, I reckon. Cloverfield? What, the first one? Yeah. I mean, I know he's done things. Yeah, I mean, I'm just <laughs> he's, he's been busy over the years. But anyway, <laughs> The Penguin, coming to HBO Max. After being cancelled by HBO Max, oh, there you go. <laughs> the J.J. Abrams animated show, Batman Caped Crusader, it's got a two-season order at Amazon. There you go. The show's been saved. That's the show that had Bruce Tim behind it. It was going to be a more adult take on Batman, this primetime animated show. And HBO Max just said, nope, not for us. So fortunately, it's that's, found a home elsewhere. Yeah, that's what's interesting because it's like, you know, you, you think like like they'd be making it for HBO Max. That's where it's going to it's gonna land. They're going to put it out there, blah, blah, blah. They've obviously passed on it, but it doesn't mean... You know, the creative team and those involved in bringing it to life don't still have the show. And I'm glad they were able to shop it around to another streaming service just to find a home for it. And look, yeah, there's been too. success in, in doing that. You know, like, uh, you know, a, a lot of Sony films obviously get shopped out to whether it's like Netflix or Amazon Prime or, or you know, whatever it is. TV series, same same boat. 
so it doesn't necessarily have to be on HMI. That's that opens the door and it reminds us that it's like, yeah, things can can be shopped. I like we it. also know Warner Brothers Discovery. There's so many changes that are happening over there. Like originally they had HBO Max exclusive content, film TV, and then their films started popping up on different streaming services. So they decided no longer just to keep them for themselves. And then we're hearing news that DC animation is going to exclusively be available on Prime, whereas before that would have been HBO Max in the US. In Australia, that would have been binge. So I don't know if that means for us, we're not going to get it on binge anymore. I'm talking things like, you know, the Harley Quinn animated series. So things are up in the air at the moment. But either way, the finding home for content like Batman, Cape Crusader. Uh, Daniels, to direct at least one episode of the new Star Wars series, Skeleton Crew. So the Disney Plus series stars Jude Law and centers on a group of kids lost in the galaxy trying to find their way home. So we've previously discussed this this show and what it could all be about and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, what do you think of uh, Daniels directing uh, a couple episodes? Oh, the guy's responsible for everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Amazing. Brilliant. Great news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, really open to it. And this is the Jude Law live-action Star Wars show. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by what the show can be. And they always seem to hold the directors close to their chest. Like, not until, like, we've got the season three premiere of Mandalorian or it's season four. I can't remember where we're up to, but it's not until they have the premiere for the latest season. They're like, Oh, by the way, here's all the big time directors we've got directing the season. So they wait until the last minute, but I'm thinking on the back of the Oscars, like, do you know what? We're going to tell you about Daniels. They're going to come and direct an episode for us. Yeah. It'll be interesting. So like, I mean, I know like the model of television or how it used to work is that like, you know, you would have a certain or a particular director come in, they'll do the pilot, they'll set the tone, the flavor of the show, and that'll pretty much be a blueprint. And then you go from there. And then you can have guest directors doing certain things with interview episodes. How it might work with obviously like a setting, you know, like Star Wars, there's obviously kind of a tone to the overall property. But then an individual show can have its own thing. You know, Andor feels very different to Mandalorian, which feels very different to, yeah, insert some other thing there or like one of the movies or something. So it'll be interesting to see like who ends up doing like the first episode, setting the tone. How did the Daniels sort of integrate into doing this? Maybe they just have a fun, wacky episode that they get to play with where, I don't know, maybe, you know, their best expertise handling various characters i don't want to you know are we shoehorning them into maybe it's an episode with like multiple versions of characters or something i'm sure they can fingers do who knows yeah we, googly we, eyes sure i'm sure they've got wider range than that i mean they, they did a <laughs> phenomenal job with that movie but it, it's just it, but again we've just had the oscars i think that's yeah. why because the, they have announced them early normally they would wait until unless they're directing the first episode, they'd wait until the season premiere. That's it. But I just want to ask, like, the question is, like, okay, like, why them and for what episode? And, like, just because I'm interested in, like, what do you, what was the thinking behind it? But besides just, hey, they're talent, let's, let's get them. 
That's what I think it's that. I honestly think it's that what John Favreau, what Dave Filoni is doing over at Star Wars, that's what they're looking at doing. They want they want filmmakers behind each episode. And that's what they're getting with these guys. You know, I'm sure these guys are gonna have, you know, like the world platter of opportunity and stuff. But I mean, getting in with something like Disney, I mean just more opportunities like they could be handed a a Marvel project next or, or, or something like that, you know. Yeah, not good for that. But like they they don't need Disney. They <laughs> they've got options. They've got studios at their beckon. The Willow series isn't cancelled and volume two has been planned, says creator John Caston. Now this exploded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the show has been cancelled. The cancellation or All... the, the, the... Well, all news outlets were saying, do you know what? One and done. They've got a season, that's it. They're not going to make any more Willow. And I've got to be honest, like, you know, I did a a review of season one for Sounds Like Comics and, you know, it's it's an okay show and it didn't all work for me, but there's definitely some good things going on there. But it does allude to not just a... Second season, but a third season. Have you watched season one of Willow? No. Okay. And well, then I just say like the, the word of mouth about it just wasn't. It was like, look, like there's this, there's, there's some good stuff to it, but overall, there's nothing to it. <laughs> like, I mean, if I'm like, going to be honest, the namesake I'm... character isn't even the most important character. <laughs> well, well, it, it had already, it had always been about the baby. Anyway. We're not going to kill into it here. But it does. What, means, but okay. what you find, I mean, this is not really a spoiler, but what you find that all the events of season one ends up being in volume one of a book on a bookcase. And altogether, there is three volumes. So it's like, right, okay. So they're setting up a three season right, then, arc yeah. here. So then when it's say, they're saying, hey, it's cancelled, you're like, oh shit, they're not going to get to finish well, it. Is, with, the, with the cancellation, what that actually came about from was, you know, like, when they're doing these streaming shows now, it's not like, you know, like standard network television where it's like, hey, we've wrapped, come back in a few months where we start up again and the next season will come, you know, the following year, around the same time of, around the same time of year as the first season. It's, you know, like the streaming shows would be like, you know, we, we get a year long gap or two years even until the next season. So at this point in time, they don't know when they're going to start this, the next season. So what they did, they, ended up releasing all of the the actors from their their contracts so they could go off and do other projects not to hold them to it with the hopes of hey we'll get back who we can when the time comes so that's where it came from everyone got released the headlines ran with show's been cancelled it's all over obviously it got clarified not the case and that's it it, and it got clarified by the situation is still there's nothing actively happening at this point in time but it doesn't mean it won't. And it was Caston himself that came yeah. out and said, hang on, like we're not doing it right now, but we do still have plans to do you it. Look at, you look at the feedback of like that first season, and I go, I, like, I, I don't know, I haven't watched it, so I can't give an actual opinion, but who's talking about Willow? Who's watching Willow? I mean, I know you watched it and you talked I about did. it. But... I watched it with my <laughs> wife. Jay watched it, but I don't know too many other people that watched it. I mean, I was never a big fan of that first film. I knew of it. I liked it enough. I probably like Warwick Davis 
more than I like the Willow film. But it is a fun little adventure. But I guess the main thing the news outlets were jumping on is that saying, hey, this is a sequel series to a, I'm going to say popular, 80s film, you know, directed by Ron Howard. And the original star, Warwick Davis, is back. So this is Lucasfilm on Disney Plus, one season, cancelled. So I think that's why it got, <laughs> there was just so much noise. Because, okay, so this yeah. is a thing that's happening here, whereas the assumption would have been, this is Lucasfilm, it's all Disney, it's on Disney Plus. Why wouldn't they do what they're setting out to do, do the three seasons? But it makes sense Probably. what you're saying. And people jump to conclusions. Everything, I mean, everything costs money. And then Disney has to look at this and say, hey, look, is this a viable IP that we want to pursue? How does it affect our subscriptions? Is it is it getting new subscriptions? Is it maintaining any? Like, well, how does it work? And if it's not any, if they're not going to get any of that, they're not just going to be like, oh, well, let's just do it just to complete it. They're going to subjectively look at it and go, no, we'll move on. We'll do something else. Just the business. So we'll see how. See how it goes. But look, that's it for uh, the main chunk of uh, or the, the big TV news. So we'll just um, let's maybe we'll try a little bit better this time. We'll do the rapid fire TV news headlines that we've got. We've had our first look at Michael Kudlitz as Lex Luthor on Superman and Lois. And this is for season three. And if you've not seen the image, this is the actor that was. Yes, this is the actor <laughs> that was in Lord of the. Uh, not, I was going to say Lord of the Rings. It was in The Walking Dead. There we go. It was in Lord the of the Rings. Dead. Lots of walking. You there we go. You but, um, it all makes sense. I see you did it. This is what they're doing now. They're keeping Lex bald, which is key. He needs to That's be bald because yeah. that is Lex Luthor. But I think it started. If I did, it started with John Cryer, Supergirl. Yeah, with the beard. not as Supergirl on the Supergirl show, and that is the first <laughs> time that we got a bald Lex Luthor with a beard. And then season four of Titans, we got Titus Welliver, Lex Luthor, bald beard, and now Lex Luthor here, bald beard. It seems to be the combination they think works best for a modern audience. Lex Luthor can be bald with a that, beard. A little bit of that red orange hair. Excited. Look, the image is it looks fine, sure, whatever. I've got to catch up with Superman and Laws, anywho, for it to mean anything. I guess the main thing um, is that this is a good actor that has, or from what I've seen, a intimidating screen presence. And it's like, okay, cool. And we're not talking Ducky from Pretty in Pink with John Cryer were having, and I liked him to be fair. I did like John Cryer as Lex Luthor, but I didn't necessarily find him intimidating. It was uh, manipulating, yep, but not necessarily intimidating. I think that's what we're going to get from this Lex. That was the role that you went to. Interesting. Um, but speaking of super people, uh, well, where would you go? Oh, two guys and a girl. You probably got there, weren't you? Uh, two and a half men. Well, two guys and a girl. Two and a half men. Sure. Yeah. Let's just yep. move on to the next story. Forget I said anything. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Melissa Benoist. Oh, my segue there. Um, joins Netflix's Masters of the Universe Revolution of Teela. I mean, automatically, I'm like, well, yeah, there's the Kevin Smith 
this is the Kevin Smith one right before I say something stupid. <laughs> it is. Um, her husband and is He-Man, Prince Adam. So there you go. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, Tila was. Uh, I'd have to double check. Tila was in season one, and I think she was voiced by Sam Michelle Geller. I'm pretty sure. Either way, Melissa Benoist joining season two. She is replacing the original voice cast member, cast member. There we go. Did you see that? The Kevin Smith Masters of the Universe? I watched it and loved it. I thought it was excellent. I never I never got around to it. No, for, not for any reason. I think I just hadn't. <laughs> it's a great looking show. It is a sequel series to the original 80s cartoon. And the animation is fantastic. The boys cast. Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill. It is a it's a great show. So you've got time to catch up. I found this surprising. Fox is moving forward with the Flintstones spin-off series Bedrock. We first talked about this a long time ago. Elizabeth Banks, who has been shepherding the project as executive producer, will lead the voice cast of the series starring as Pebbles the adult daughter of Fred and Wilma. It is live action because obviously it was a while ago. Is this live no, action? no, it's animated. Yeah, it's always it's animated. been okay. animated. And the thing with it, it's like they're aiming at a older audience. Has Elizabeth Banks watched Velma? That's what I want to know <laughs> because is he going to fall into the same trap? Well, it like it will be an interesting thing to sort of like a project to to see how it goes. And look, Elizabeth Banks in in things that she's she's done, she has been sometimes not all the best things. But um, I mean, recently, Cocaine Bear, you know, we both really enjoyed. Um, whether we get anything in that vein with this, who knows? But it'll be interesting just to just to see. Um, I like the Flintstones. I mean, I like the old cartoon, and I like the like the Steven Spielberg movie with you know what's his name as, as Fred. Um, yeah, let's just see how this plays out. Let's just see what we get. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be as outrageous as Cocaine Bear, but <laughs> she has my um, attention. Cocaine, I like you know. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. So, yeah, let's uh, let's see what she can do with this. All right. Uh, well, that's it. We've done the news. We we did it. We got there. Um, we'll finish out with some recommends. I'm going to recommend Quick Stops. I'm not sure if you're familiar. It was a four-issue miniseries written by Kevin Smith. Following on the heels of Clerks 3, the View Ask You Verse is expanding with Quick Stops, a black and white anthology series full of all new tales of retail from the Jersey world of Kevin Smith's classic comedies. I picked up this series in singles. I bought the comics and it's going to get collected in a hardcover collection June 21st. So it's coming soon, the collected version, uh, but definitely want to recommend this one early. Read the single issues and it is it's fantastic. Featuring four never-before-told stories from the Quick Stop family of characters that populate Smith's films. 
Mole Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, and of course, the Clerks trilogy. What I will say, issue one, I really enjoyed. When we did our review of Jay and Silent Bob Reboot, one of my favorite parts of that film was the Chasing Amy scene. The first comic in this four-part miniseries, it's the events just before that scene happens. So I loved it. It is great. So if you're a Kevin Smith fan and you've not checked it out, Quick Stops, hardcover, comes out in June. Yeah, like I remember you off air, you were telling me about you know a couple of the, the things you've picked up and stuff and it piqued my interest just to... Again, just to enter that world again in any in any sort of way, and I know it's like comic books is the probably the <laughs> makes the most sense. So cool. Um, for my recommend, I always feel like it's a bit of a cop out because I feel like who am I recommending this to? Everybody's watching it. Everyone's or has watched it. The viewers, the viewership just went up. I'm recommending The Last of Us. You can't. You're disqualified. Why, <laughs> Why can't? <laughs> because I? everybody's because watching it. it. I don't care. And not only watching it, watched it, past tense. Everybody's seen it, but okay. Fair enough. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for the show to, to finish and to, to come to an end. So I can say, yeah, pretty good show. Um, look, I've got some thoughts and, you know, there's some things that I would have done a little bit differently. And I think at the end of the day, you know, it wouldn't have hurt to have a few more action sequences or clickers, but what they did deliver was a very human character driven story. And it, ultimately ended up being a, a pretty great um, first season to this show. Of course, The Last of Us, uh, post-apocalyptic drama television series, if you weren't familiar, um, created by May, uh, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann for HBO, of course, based on the 2013 video game developed by Naughty Dog. Um, Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey leading the charge here. Um, I'm going to call them guest characters each in, in, in most episodes. They come, they go, don't get too attached. Um, what they've pulled together is is fantastic. Like the, the treatment of source material adapting to this live action um, series is, it's just like, well done. There's, there's so much love put into this. Again, a few things I would have done a little bit differently. So again, not a perfect show, but overall, they did a bang-up job. And, of course, if you haven't watched it yet or if you're, you know, teetering halfway through it, give it a shot. Even if you haven't played the games, um, there's there's so much to enjoy here. And if you have enjoyed the games, there's, there's things to compare, contrast, critique, look at, admire, be like, hey, I understand that reference. Oh, I know that where that's from. Or, hey, that's shot to shot by shot. Um, they pulled off some pretty cool, some, some cool stuff. So, But you finished the show, haven't you? Everybody has, but okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right. <laughs> I have, but the approach I've got, same with, my, I mean, you're recommending something, anyway, we've all seen it. If anything, it, it is, this was just a, a way valid, to talk about the show. So. <laughs> it's a valid <laughs> recommending. I mean, I've got a different approach and the same approach as my wife. We haven't played the video game. So we're right, watching yeah. this as a post-apocalyptic show and it's great. It works really well. There's moments when... You know, certain characters are out of action. Joel is injured, not going anywhere. And I turn to my wife and I'm like, what part of the game do you think this is? But when you get to the final episode, it is like you're playing a shoot 'em up which is great. But that felt like a video game. <laughs> but the show as a whole, thoroughly enjoyed it. And we've 
only knowing what we're seeing on screen, it was great. Not, I mean, you've got an idea where it's going because you play the video game. We yeah. hadn't. But even, like, there were... Bear in mind, when I played the first game, it was like, how long ago? Like five years or so, like it's probably more. Like it was shortly after it first came out. I'm pretty sure I played it on PlayStation 3. Like that's how long ago it was. Um, and like one of, one of the best games I've ever played, like legitimately, like just incredible. But even watching this season, like there were things happening and I was getting things like juggle, like uh, like, uh, like messed around. Like, I was like, oh, does this happen yet? Or is that happening? certain storylines I was like I completely forgot until they started unfolding I was like oh that's that character where that thing happened and I started remembering things so it was actually quite a bit of um, a journey like you know like three episodes towards the end when they got to you know they, they got to a hospital and I was thinking I was like oh this is the end of the game like, and I was like oh we're gonna see and I was looking forward to giraffes I was like we're gonna see giraffes because we saw the monkeys and that didn't happen and I was like oh they didn't do the giraffes completely thinking we were at the end of the story and there was so much more to tell and then hey we got drafts i'm freaking happy <laughs> like beautiful <laughs> and the scene means so much more and it just re- it just reminded me when watching i was like oh it did actually mean so much in the game as well at that that part of the story it's been i'm obviously i'm more familiar with the second game now <laughs> and all of that stuff because it's more fresh so yeah it was it was a good experience <laughs> it was good well, everybody's watched it. Everybody enjoyed it. I know. It's yeah, a I, very again, good recommendation. We're, we're not doing a review of it, so I guess this that was it. <laughs> that was the, the, to an extent, almost spoiler-free review. Sorry about the drafts. If you, you've watched it, it's all good. All right, that's it. That's it for another episode of That Film's You. If you haven't already, check out our other shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics. Each of those have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent review of The Whale and stay tuned for our upcoming reviews of Shazam! Fury of the Gods and Batman the Doom that came to Gotham. Thanks for joining us on another round of movie and TV news. You've been listening to Jason. And you've been listening to Luke. We're the guys from that film studio. See you soon.